Man, today's episode, a lot of fun. I've known this guy for a couple of years now. His name is James Mayo. And James is the CEO and founder of a brand called SOS Hydration. So I've talked about in, in our intro episode, if you've ever listened to that, that uh, on the show, I want to have pro endurance athletes, amateur endurance athletes, innovators in the space, experts, subject matter experts. And James, he checks a couple of those boxes. One, subject matter expert in terms of hydration which we only got a little bit into. Uh, he's also an innovator in the space as the CEO and founder of SOS Hydration. So checks that box. And then pro athlete. Now, he uh, he's a former pro sprinter for the UK. And while that's not necessarily endurance based off, like according to what we've been talking about here in the past few weeks, uh, the guy does do plenty of endurance. He participates in plenty of endurance events, like half Ironmans. And, but as a pro sprinter, I think when you're when you're sprinting and your heart rate is at its max, you know, bumping around 200 BPM or something, and you're even just going a mile, that takes endurance to not quit after the first uh, first quarter mile. So the guy has endurance, that's for sure. But really, innovator in the space. Super excited to share with you James's story uh, of how he founded SOS a little bit beforehand his time uh, as a pro sprinter for the UK which he won the British Mile Championship during his time. Really cool. And he was a quarter miler, but his, he, he, yeah, so won the British Mile Championship, but he was a quarter miler. I didn't really get into the whole quarter mile thing because I don't understand it. I just think in terms of miles. So his fastest mile ever was four minutes, zero seconds, and 16 milliseconds? Four minutes flat, 0.6. So the dude is quick. Uh, that's for sure. So he talks a little bit about that and then eventually goes into how he started SOS hydration. I think it's going to be super helpful for any of you guys out there that are actually, um, participating in endurance events, your training. And if you're looking for a new product, SOS is absolutely worth trying. Uh, I, I don't get a kickback by you trying this, you know, I wanted to have them on the show, but there's no like sponsorship going on. I'm just a true advocate for it. My wife and I plow through tons of, of SOS, uh, like 250 serving tubs a month usually. So we're we're huge fans of the product. SOS, couple key facts about it uh, as to why it stands out amongst all the competitors. It absorbs twice as fast as others. James will tell you why. It hydrates your cells three times quicker than others. James will tell you why. And it has three times less sugar than others. James will tell you how. So whether you're an aspiring athlete or an athlete, or an aspiring entrepreneur, or an entrepreneur, or just somebody that likes to get into the nitty gritty, the science behind some of these products that are out there on the market and learn about how they interact with your body and why they're beneficial, I think you're going to get a kick out of this episode. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the man, the man, the man, the myth, the legend, James Mayo. So are you doing, is that what you're training for when you're out there doing these things? Are you doing I, I do sprints. I actually ranked myself, I think, 46th in the US over sprint triathlons last, this year. No so way. That's awesome. Pretty cool for a 46-year-old knack girl, was it? Um, so is that for your age group or just 46 overall? No, that was, that's um, 40 to 50 or whatever it is. So yeah, it's age group. But okay, okay. So, yeah. I mean, still, we're in the sort of the peak of everything. So um I was quite sort of happy. And I think, I think I'm top 200, which is, which is okay. But to be really honest, having been a pro as in not triathlete, but pro runner, yeah, I'm not interested in the races. I love the training and I get yeah. motivated by the training, 
I, I've done obviously enough races that sort of get myself going, but it's, I use it as my perfect brain dump from work. And my competition is myself and my competition is just sort of driving to it. The competitive space um, is, uh, you know, is a bit, it's not hard, but I don't want to, I don't want to become a no offense to anybody that's an age group, you know, lunatic because, you know, you love it. I doesn't, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt as a youngster. I don't want to dive into that place, but I can see why everyone does it. So I'm like an age group racer that will race once or twice a year just for fun. Um, and I'll probably do it after a night out or something and then, then step onto it. Yeah, that's cool. So how many, you said just once or twice a year you're doing sprints? Yeah, I've done three. Um, so it's... In the past year? In the past year. Okay. And then the sprints are easy. It's a 800-meter swim, 12K run. Um, sorry. Twin, yeah, 12-mile bike and a 5K run. Okay. So yeah, it's got to be... Why I like that over all the others is I've got an hour in my day every day to do some training. So from that's a training true. perspective... I can, I don't have the old age issues of, mind you, interesting enough, I tweaked my Achilles the other day, um, but I don't have the issues of, it makes, well, touch wood, and having just got injured, I haven't been injured by doing this routine because I'm not stressing my body in any, I'm stressing my body from a speed perspective, yeah. but I'm not stressing it and overloading it with those long endurance runs or bikes or swims where you're really stressing all your joints and everything else. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's, then do you, do you just stay, like do you sustain this level all year round just also because it's fun for you or do you kind of ramp up and down? as the I, I play time? with it. It's, okay. it's like I have sort of cycles and, you know, I, I did a, what, a 61 sprint, 61 minute sprint um, in November and I was super chuffed with that. Um, and then basically I've then just eaten like a, champion and drank and stuff <laughs> and so i'm basically having and today i got back into it with a six mile run how'd it feel first run back horrible yeah, horrible. yeah. what hurt i'm seeing that the terrorist is coming around in an hour <laughs> my massage dude um i ran up that we live on the bottom of a mountain yeah camelback mountain basically um yeah so I, I didn't run up that. I ran up in the foot up to the foothills. Um, but you know, coming back and I went to collect the girls from school about an hour ago. I was like, oh ah, oh ah, ah. But the <laughs> the crazy bit was two the first two weeks of not doing it, I'd lost a boatload of weight. I was, you know, I'm back up now above, I think I got down to 75 kilos. And my average is about 80. I'm now back up to about 85. So I'd lost 10 kilos in that last training cycle. And I just properly drove myself into, um, into the end zone. Um, but it was, it's so weird coming back out of it. And then, you know, everything is, I was too skinny. I was, you know, I was sporty skinny and not sexy skinny. So it's quite funny because I've now gone, you know, above the normal weight because mm -hmm. I've just overindulged in everything. And even when I'm training and it's like you, even when I'm training, it's very, very important, which is why I could never race as an age grouper. It's very important for me to live my life. 
you know, yeah. in terms of from work, but more importantly, family and play and having the odd beer or glass of wine or, or several glasses of wine, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Life comes first, training comes second as that escape. Yeah. I mean, if that like, if that's what fuels you and that's what works for you, then it sounds like you've got a pretty awesome thing going. Like you're probably, it, like you're obviously in the top shape for anybody in your age and you're having a fun time, having a blast, getting to do what you love. Um, all right. So you said you've been doing like an hour of training, hour and a half of training a day. Oh, That's like yeah. what's sustainable for you. But what, when you were a pro racer, by the way, I think I saw something online that said your fastest mile ever. And I, you were like, didn't you do I was half a half mile? I was an 800. Wasn't like 800, so, 800 so I was a half. Okay. My brother was a miler. But okay. funnily enough, I won the British Mile Champs because in championship races, you're not following a uh, you know you just turn up and sprint because it's so slow most of the time and then yeah so that was my benefit um so no i unfortunately never broke four minutes for a mile i was four minutes you were close for yeah, flat minutes on the nose. four minutes point oh, zero six God. wow so, so four minutes point six so yeah. as in not four minutes six seconds four minutes flat point six okay okay <laughs> uh, yeah. uh so oh well um yeah and looking back is there any regrets of that? Hell yeah. I never really liked the mile, but moving here to the States, it's sort of like 100 meters, mile or marathon. They're the three distances that track runners do. Yeah. And my brother's ran a 356 mile, I think, wow. a 354 mile. Um, oh and I gosh. think, I believe there's more people have gone up Everest than a runner sub four. Really? Holy crap. So yeah, Dude, unbelievable. So, what did training look like for you when you were actually a pro runner and you're out there competing? It's like how many hours a week? How many hours a day? What, what were you doing? I suppose my, it, we used to travel around the world a bit. There's a circuit that you just played on, and towards the middle of my career, I then joined the army, which then turned in towards the end of my career. Because, but then during my time in the army, unlike the American army and Air Force, where you're basically you're running full time, mm -hmm. the British military you still have to do your military shit. And I was an infantry officer. So, um, and I loved it. It was brilliant. Every person should go in the army, but that's me. Yeah. Um, and that changed my ability to run, but then I sort of ended up doing more pacemaking and, you know, I paced a couple of world records and things like that. And that was a lot of fun because I was, I'm very metronomic. Um, mm. the, but coming back to life as a runner, it was get up in the morning, um, go and get some breakfast, uh, chill out for a little bit, go for your first run, um, and then come back. Maybe you had to do some circuits or something, so you do your circuits, you'd have some lunch, you'd go for a nice afternoon nap, you might go and see the terrorist um, to sort of for your weekly massage or twice weekly massage, and then you'd come towards the evening, and then at the end of the evening you would um, probably have your workout. Three times a week you'd have your workout. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, because as soon as you said you left in the middle of your career to go to the military, you were talking about the pressure that builds up with runners. Did that have anything to do with it? Were you like, I just need a break? No, and jump? The, eldest oh, okay. my, the eldest son in my family goes into the army. And that's okay. um, and oh. the four, five, six, seven generations. Um, so it's so, just your time. Which I can't do. My time okay. is up. And to be honest, look, I'm a realist. I was a good national runner for great britain and i you know was okay on the international scene i was sort of very much b races um and i saw the world and i traveled the world and i learned so much but i was never going to win an olympic gold um 
I was certainly never going to get to an Olympic final knowing what I had coming up. Um, and that's not because I'm a defeatist. I'm the world's biggest optimist. I'm a realist. And <clears throat> I realized that, hey, I could go and get a living and then go and become a tech rep at a shoe company or whatever after that and, you know, just be happy with my worth. But the army was calling whatever happened. And um, my brother, the same. My brother didn't go into the army. He finished his running. Um, he did much better. You know, he did Worlds, Commonwealth Games, fifth place and various things like that. So he was awesome. But um, he realized when his time was starting to recede, um, he got out and got a job and, you know, now does major events and things like that. So hmm. he's, both of us have sort of followed the path of jumping out of the shoe companies and using our skill set. Some say it's good, some say it's bad. I mean, there's no, nothing wrong with becoming a tech rep at a sports store because, God, they've looked after you and you know the shoes inside out because you've run in it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's um, true. So there's definitely zero negativity there. All right. I, I, I'm curious about when you went and started SOS after the military, but I just have one little thing that I have to ask because I was curious. This eldest son in your family, this was just like a family like precedent that was in place? Tradition. Yep. Wow. What, what, what the would British have Army is, okay. The British Army is a bit different from the US in the fact that it's a bit more, it dates my old regiment dated back to 1800s. And um, I think I lost you for a second. You said it's different from oh, the US sorry. Army because it's a bit more something. Yes, the units are obviously, our British Army is tiny compared to the US beast. Um, so, you know, you go and join one of the regiments and the regiments are small. There's sort of 700 people in them. And, you know, you've probably served with your father and his father was in it and your soldiers, their fathers have been in it. Um, so it's it's a very close knit community. I'm not saying the US military isn't. I know it is having served with them. It's a very close knit community, but it's something that they are um, just working through. Um, and I loved it. I did sort of um, I did seven years in the Cheshire Regiment. Um, and, you know, a chief of rank of captain. But so, yes, I knew I was going into it from a young age, but I didn't go into I, I was super excited to go into it. I mean, and I loved it. Oh, so it wasn't a drag to leave. Oh, God, no. OK, no. that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, man, you no. left this career no. for family tradition, which I, I respect tremendously. I just I would be hard pressed to find a single American that would probably ever do that for the family. So I, I thought that that was incredible. Yeah, but even even it. if I didn't like, you know, even if I didn't necessarily want to do it, it's it's tradition, and you know, which I respect. It. Yeah, so that's unbelievable. My yeah. brother, the lucky, the, my brother, the lucky. What's it? He didn't have to. So it's like, <laughs> yay! <laughs> yeah. No, I think that uh, just the fact that those values run that deep and that are that strong is commendable. Okay, so and then and then when do you get to the point where you start SOS? Um, there was a big gap between then and SOS. I then did worked in. Was national coach of Singapore Athletics, then moved in Singapore, and I also um, worked for ESPN um, Star Sports as one of their writers and presenters on their Sports Center weekend. Um, okay. And then came back, worked for a sales organization, and then my brother Blanca, my better half, and myself were drunk in a winery in Sonoma, going, "God, I wish there was a better for you drink." And, um, you know, sports drink. And as much as we don't call SOS a sports drink, it's a functional beverage because it's got so much more than um, the sort of the fuel and the electrolytes. Um, the, we, and the next day I resigned 
um, from my job. They were sort of like, what the crap are you doing? Um, <laughs> sorry. So they cancelled my visa, which was really nice of them. Um, wow. So, and as much as I'd had a really good relationship and I, you know, I was one of the senior people in their London business and then helped with a little bit of their India business and then moved out to Canada as a second person in charge of Canada and moved out to California to set up the California business. Then I sort of resigned and I wasn't going to competitor. I was going to start to drink with nothing. It was literally, okay, right. All knees in, here we go. Um, and yeah, they canceled my visa and my green card arrived. I had my green card in, in process. It arrived on the, the Wednesday after I resigned. Um, but I couldn't use it because they cancelled it. So I thought that was a bit unfair. Um, but, you know, hey, you take the rough with the smooth and that was their problem. And, you know, yeah. I got my green card uh, in a different way and then ended up, you know, becoming an American. So, and yeah. then the SOS, I was, there was an opportunity to do it part-time or, you know, a bit on the side. And, but I'm not one of those people. I'm sort of, I, I'm all in. Yeah. So, yeah, they, we then went about formulating it, spent a little bit of time um, working on research and getting research behind it to actually back up what we say is true uh, and testing it. And then um, we got six stores in Texas. So that was I'd the first. Been, yeah, that was our first stores. I'd never been to Texas. Um, and we got Fort Worth and Houston, actually Woodside, where the Iron, where the Iron Man is. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, so... That was a fun activation because the, the Kroger there was the store. So the sales during that month were awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone was coming in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we started in retail. Hindsight, yeah, maybe should have pushed more with the online piece, but retail was where it's at and then got some really cool partners with CVS and Walmart and yeah. um, Kroger as well, which expanded and Whole Foods uh, in a, into a couple of regions as, as well as the UK. So it's just been building and building and learning and learning. And I've made, I've fallen down more potholes than I care to imagine, but yeah. it's that ability, as we were discussing earlier, to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and smile and learn. Yeah. Do something different. Which is, seems like it's been working out for you. How long ago was that though, that when you quit your job right after the winery? 2013. 2013. All right. So it's been, it's been a bit of a journey. There was something that you said though on another podcast that I watched where you were interviewed and you were talking about uh, like the story of SOS. And I think you, your wife, Blanca and your brother had tried a couple of different options and like nothing had really worked. Um, and wasn't there something like where you guys saw on TV, it was like one of those commercials for, was that what it is? Like it was definitely like kids in Africa and Blanca had experience formulating. Well, Blanca's a, Blanca's a liver transplant doc. Um, she grew up in Mexico, used the oral rehydration solution that was invented. Okay, so that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. And that's used to treat cholera patients predominantly. Now, the downside of that is it's still got 11 to 15 grams of sugar. Um, so in the market today, there are WHO RSs like liquid IV, like drip drop, like hydrant, like cure, like... Pedialyte Advanced. Um, they're all exactly the same, despite what they claim that they invented it. It was invented by the World Health Organization. Um, you can find the recipe online. They just marketed it brilliantly in their own special ways. Okay. Um, but their formula is based off 12 to 15 or 11 to 15 grams of sugar. And you don't really need that. And as a GI doctor, before she became a liver doctor, well, she's now a board certified 
internal medicine doctor and board certified gastroenterologist. What she was finding is that you're giving patients, especially in GI, like POTS, IBD, celiacs, um, short bowel syndrome, you need an awful lot of electrolytes for those. But what you're doing is in one hand, you're saying, hey, here's your electrolytes. And in the other hand, here's your diabetes. Because if they're taking, you know, two, 3,000 milligrams of sodium a day, that's 100 extra grams of sugar they're taking in their drink. Mm. And you don't need it. And then also science has moved on. My brother collapsed at the world champs with dehydration. Um, when he was a kid and I suffered dehydration, obviously I got pre-diabetic. So that whole pre- pre-diabetes of too much sugar in the sports drinks that we were sponsored by, too much sugar in the drinks in the army. And at least now science is starting to work out and you as a prime example, that there's hydration and there's fuel. And hydration and fuel shouldn't be together because that defeats the purpose of both and you don't maximize that opportunity. And we went down the fact that, right, we're going to be the best we can in, be in hydration and fuel is for everybody else to go and play with. There's obviously energy, which is another kettle of fish altogether, you know, your um, rebels and monsters and things like that. So what Blanca did was she took the WHO formula and then played around with it. What makes it magic is it's, it's the molecular balance of sugar and sodium. Now for a WHO or normal ORS, any one of the ones I mentioned, they've got this one-on-one ratio of sugar to, sugar to salt. However, too much sugar. So Blanca played around with the sugar and played around with the salt and lowered the sugar to three grams, so 10 calories, but kept the molecular balance, which has meant that when we did testing against all the competition, which you can see on our research page or one of yeah. the things on our research page, um, it meant that we have an osmolarity that's almost 50% lower than our nearest competitor. And what's also backs up my story about they're all very similar to a WHO ORS is that um, when we tested them, the WHO ORS was 245 millimoles. Um, and each one of those competitors is within 10 millimoles of that number. And what does 10, 245, 167, 50% osmolarity and all that fun stuff? Well, let's bring it, um, let me bring it forward. Um, there's, you've all seen isotonic drinks and um, that's your basically your Gatorades and your Pedialytes and things like that, which is isotonic means it's in balance with your body's osmolarity. Mm. Your body's osmolarity is at a number of millimoles of 280. If your body's, os if you've got a substance that's within that range, it moves into your body easily because it's, it's at the same sort of level. Okay. Um, then you've got high hypertonic which is um things like sodas so your coca-colas dr peppers and to be honest at the end of every long run long bike i go and crash a dr pepper because that's my sugar hit um mm. and it's like my sort of well done for doing a good job yeah. <laughs> and then uh, which is so that's got just a boatload of sugar it's slower it takes longer but what you do is you get the sugar rush and then at the bottom end of the spectrum you've got hypotonic which is lower than your body's osmolarity, which means it transfers even quicker into your bodies, into your cells, because there's zero subsistence. Um, and SOS is even lower than it's still a hypotonic drink, but it's even lower. So what that means is it's just absorbing even faster into your cells. So that's why you can in transition go and smash a you know 16 fluid ounce bottle and then get up and start running or get up and sit on a bike for two, three, four, five hours. Um, hmm because of the nature of the fact that it's being absorbed in the first portion of your small bowel 
and it's not having to wait forever to be absorbed as it goes down the oh wow goes down the track. Interesting. Does it matter what you end up mixing it with? I mean, to a degree, I would assume yes, but <clears throat> like I and I guess I just um, asked that having worked with Penta water at Pacemakers uh, with the whole like quicker hydration because it's lower TDS. I don't know if it matters um, though. Sorry, did I just swear? Um, it. Waters are waters at the end of the day. I know you've got your pH and your non-pH. Interestingly enough, your high pH waters can damage your gut. So that's not particularly special. Um, and it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. And to be honest, show me the real research studies that they've come out with and <laughs> claim and prove it and back it all up. Yeah. Um, it's water at the end of the day and it's a great marketing tool. It's like these electrolyte waters that you can see in the supermarkets now and when you actually look at them it's got trace elements but because some cool marketeer came up with the idea that you can call it an electrolyte water because it's got trace minerals in um which every water from a natural source will have trace minerals or something i'm not saying they have electrolytes because obviously that comes from different rock formations and whatever but right, right, yeah right. so that sounds very much a nice layer no it doesn't matter what you mix it in the only thing you don't want to mix it in is with any sugar Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's, that's helpful to know. <clears throat> well, man, I've been a huge advocate for it um, over the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I'm going through two 50 serving tubs per month, sometimes per three weeks. That's why I'm waiting for like your gallon tub to, to come out, which I'll be a, a consumer of for sure, but happy to continue spreading the word. It's been a huge help for me and um, just awesome to hear the story and cool to hear obviously how like everything that you did beforehand clearly translated into this just because entrepreneurship, which we did not even touch on, is endurance at its core, just sticking with it, you know? <laughs> so, dude, this was great though. I just appreciate the chance I to know you a little bit more and learn a little bit more about SOS. Great um, and, um, you know, I wish you luck with the downhill route to baby number two. And if you're ever in Scottsdale, um, bring your running shoes and we'll go for a jog. I truly hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you found the show valuable, I'd encourage you to rate or review us on whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on. Each rating goes a long way and helps us to spread our message to more people looking to build up their endurance, people like you, people like me. And if you'd like more info on me or our charity endurance team, catch me on Instagram at it's Jake Savage or visit teamai.org. Until next time, keep pressing on.